is Hayden Raymer. Welcome to another episode of In the Clubhouse. I'm joined, as always, by my lovely friend and co-host, Jeremy Lapidus. How is everyone doing today? I was going to say, how are you doing, Jeremy? I'm doing great. What about you? I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm just, you know, worked all day, came home, and now I get to talk about baseball with my favorite person to talk baseball with about. Excited. So it's like... And baseball. I've been waiting for this all day. I know, me too. I I always love our little chats uh, about baseball uh, on and off camera uh, because we are friends. Let's get the... What? Why are you looking at me like that? (laughs) I'm kidding. Uh-huh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, welcome. We have a lot to talk about. It's been a minute since we've done one of these shows, uh, and we didn't, honestly, you and I didn't plan this very well. We probably should have talked at least a little bit about what, how we wanted to structure things. I think you and I can both agree we don't really care about that Mets series that we missed. No. No, okay. I don't know if you care at all about this Brewers series, though. I mean, there were some, there was a couple things in that series. I just I mean, it, you know, you're talking about a really good Brewers team. You know, they are now 58 and 51. They're second in their division. I think you know, taking two out of three against them is pretty cool. Uh, I mean, obviously Candelario, his last game was during this series, so that's kind of cool. Uh, but I mean, Jake Irvin. You know, through another good start. I mean, I think there was some really cool, good moments for the Nats in this series. Yeah, absolutely. There were a lot of good moments in this series. Uh, we had a walk-off win, Game 3. That's always fun. A little bit of a, a little bit of a throwing error. But whenever you can walk off against one of the best uh, weavers in all of baseball, you know. Yeah. It's a victory every time. Uh, <clears throat> it's funny. Uh... I was at work today talking about this with my coworker, uh, and I was like, "Oh, did you see like that walk off by the Nats?" And like I was describing the situation to him, and he was like, "Well, you know, I'm sure he, you know he like also doesn't really care a whole lot because it doesn't affect his ERA at all." <laughs> you know, he loaded the bases, and then that fielding error just completely saved his ERA. So you know, at least he can something went right today for him at least <laughs> where it's he's not punished for his mistakes quite yet uh, i mean obviously he has a blown save and the loss tied to him but you know devin williams i'm sure he still appreciates that he has a one nine or one five two era uh it's just the era that's the only thing that matters yeah uh yeah no i mean that was a good series i mean cj stole yet another base he had like what i'm looking three three hits in the series not insane but you know Joey Manessis had a really good game. He almost hit for the cycle in game one. I don't know if you remember that. I I do. I don't remember that well, but I do remember he had a good game. Yeah. I didn't I, mean, I didn't realize he was close to the cycle. Yeah, he was a triple short. So, you know, the hardest part, but you know, still there. I mean that single was like a broken back signal. It was pretty good pretty good series for the He's known to hit a triple or two in his lifetime. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I mean I think the Big news, and I think we're going to start chronologically here. Uh, obviously, Heimer Candelario was the one national who was traded off the roster uh, in this trade deadline period. Uh, I don't know. 
where I, I guess we start with Candelario, we move on yeah. to just the deadline and how we feel about it as a whole. Yeah. Absolutely. So okay. So the Nats got twenty-two year old DJ Hers and uh twenty year old shortstop uh Kevin Mate. Uh Hers, you know, former high school draft pick. Mate, international free agent, signed for like one point five million. So, you know, a pretty one of the upper tier prospects in that draft or that not that signing class, I guess is the word. Hmm. I guess, you know, my first question to you, who excites you more, Jeremy? Uh, who excites me more? Definitely the, uh, the shortstop here. I mean, you look at him, the international class is always, uh, there's always a hidden gem there. And whenever you can get one of the more highly touted ones, uh, it's just, it's, I'm just excited to see what he can do. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's weird where he's – I don't know how much you've looked at, like, the prospects lists and stuff and how much you've read up on all that. Uh, but it was a little weird. I mean, he – his prospect status had, like, fallen a ton lately uh, where a lot of evaluators – Baseball America dropped them out of their Cubs top 30 entirely. Uh before the deadline and part of that is yeah he hasn't performed uh but also he's a 20 year old in high a uh where he's was very aggressively promoted and assigned uh and i mean he still has a lot of the tools so there's i think when we're talking about pure upside here i think we're talking about kevin Mate has a higher upside and therefore probably excites people a little bit more uh, but I think the higher floor definitely belongs to Hertz, where he's going to be a solid reliever in the big leagues. Uh, pulled up a little stat for everybody. You know how I like to pull up my stats. Uh, stats. Of all pitchers, 22 or younger, who have thrown 50 innings so far in AA, Hertz ranks third in strikeout percentage. That's you know, pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, pretty good. That's really good. I mean, then obviously, then you're like, oh well, hate it. Uh, he walks 14% of the batters that he faces. Yeah, he does. Uh, obviously, there's gonna be a downside there. Uh, but I mean, when you watch him pitch, it's he's naturally not gonna. He's gonna be walking more guys than usual. I don't know if you've watched him pitch yet, Jeremy. I have not watched him pitch he yet. Have okay. He like goes across his body. A little bit mm -hmm. uh, when he throws, uh, which helps with those strikeout numbers, obviously, because it's a really weird delivery. Uh, but then it also throwing strikes becomes a little bit of an issue for him. But I mean, a 30% K rate in Double A is something that you can't really like scoff at. Uh, I went and looked at you know other top Nationals pitching prospects who kind of climbed lately. Uh, Kate Cavalli. When he was in double-A, his strikeout percentage was 32.9. Uh, and that was also oh no, that was the same age. My bad. Uh, and then Jackson Rutledge, who's the other big pitching prospect that's climbed up to double-A lately, he struck out people at a 22.8% rate. So there is a little bit of variance there where 
he's striking out batters at a better rate than Rutledge and close to the same rate as Cavalli. Which, so when you're talking about stuff, like that's pretty exciting. Pretty uh, good. But I mean, with Kevin Mate, it's all about adding power. Uh, he's a he's a shortstop. He's got one of the, he had one of the strongest arms in the Cubs system, and he's probably gonna have one of the strongest arms in the Nats system. So it's just can he hit for enough power to be a regular? Uh, where it looks like from everything I've read, he has a good bat the ball bat the ball skills. It's just having him improving his swing decisions, which that's kind of a topic for the Nats in general right now. Uh, but I don't know. He's still a very exciting prospect. I think Fangraphs had him out of the like, you know, in the top 20 prospects that were traded at the deadline. So you know that's good for the Nats. Yeah, I mean, we got a really good return for Candelario. Uh, two solid prospects is is a little more than honestly a little more than I thought we would get him yeah uh, i think i and many others felt like it was a light package not in the way that like the nats were fleeced it was just i thought they would have gotten more for him considering how empty the market is right i mean i don't know i just i feel like Understand what he's done this season, mm-hmm. but he's a rental. No, you're you're yeah. right. It's the thing that separated it that for me when I say it felt like it was a little light. Instead of it being an A plus, it was like a B plus or like an A minus, mm-hmm. where it's like they could have gotten more, and I feel like it still would have been like a fair trade in air quotes. Uh, but like I'm not bothered by the package at all i'm really excited uh these guys are essentially just better versions of prospects that the nationals already have in their system which i mean you're getting a better armando cruz and mitchell parker for people who like follow the nat system deeply that's you know a win upgrades are upgrades you know yeah now jeremy were you expecting more nationals to leave? Or are you disappointed? No. More nationals. I'm disappointed, didn't leave? but I wasn't expecting them to trade anyone else. Yeah. Uh I'm a little bummed they didn't find a package that suited them. I don't know if that was Rizzo asking for too much. I'm not shocked either. Uh, I mean you and I talked a lot leading up to the deadline. Uh I was expecting this for a while. But I'm not, you know, I don't know. It's, it is what it is. It feels like the Nats feel like they're close to being done with the rebuild, and I feel like that's wrong. Do you? I know oh, that's wrong. That's interesting. Okay, share more. Because so, I think that's a very unpopular opinion right now. So I am curious to see why you think that. They have all these great prospects that are close to coming up. Mm-hmm. We can't count on all of them to be a sure thing. Like, just because a couple of them, you, you know what I'm saying? There's, yeah. there's what, four or five guys that are lined up to come up? There's been hype around prospects that are supposed to come up before, and they just haven't 
thin. Like the, I'm not saying these yeah. are the same as like a Carter Keboom type thing, but it just I feel like the Nats ex- expect ex- think their timeline is next year they're going to be good again. When in reality, I think they're two or three years out from really being coming back to that team that they were when their window was open. And this trade deadline, they were just so passive. And I think that really shows that they think next year they'll be there. But you look at the roster now, how can you say that? How can you say we just, we've got the prospects in our system, our rebuild is done. I just don't see it. Yeah, a couple things that I expand, piggyback off what you're saying. I don't, I think it's less of they think these players are in the Nationals' future on why these guys didn't get traded. I just think from everything I've read, following the team, all that, this is obviously I don't have any insider information. (coughs) Sorry, I had to cough a little bit. I think the Nationals think they overvalued their players, if that makes sense. Yeah. Where I like Lane Thomas a lot. I think Lane Thomas is a really good player. I think Lane Thomas is a fourth outfielder who can adequately play all three outfield positions and can match lefties. That's what I think he is on a contending team. And, I mean, obviously from the comments Rizzo made, he did not value Lane Thomas in that way. Uh, I think he probably was asking a little bit too much for Finnegan. Just based off of Lane Thomas not getting traded, that's the line I'm drawing there. Uh, I think he was probably asking too much for Finnegan, and that's probably why he didn't get moved. And outside of that, you don't really have anybody else to trade. Right. I mean, you're going to trade... Vargas for uh you know another lottery ticket a 19 year old who's like not even on a top 30 list like I I don't know you know what I mean mm-hmm. where I think those oh. were probably the only two assets that they had that was probably worth anything I don't know it just it feels like they want to go all in and they're not ready to yeah. Well, I mean, it's also, I think, we've seen James Wood and Trey Lipscomb and Brady House climb, like, the levels pretty rapidly this year. Uh, yeah. And we're about to watch Dylan Cruz do that same thing. And so they're kind of betting on, and a lot of people are like, oh, 2024, like, by, you know, mid-July 2024 all these prospects are up and they're all raking and stuff like that and I don't know if that's necessarily true I still think that 2025 is probably when we see Brady House uh I think reasonably uh James Wood could be up there by then but and Dylan Cruz, maybe, but I don't know if you want to rush those guys. Maybe you want to take advantage of like the new prospect uh, promotion incentive. I don't know. I don't know what the Nationals are going to do. But I, I think you can't really count on these guys being in the big leagues next year. No, I agree. I just 
it feels like the Nats are rushing into it, and I'm scared it's gonna ruin its. I mean, we'll whole see. Rebuild. We'll see after this offseason or in this offseason. Yeah, I know. Because I mean, that's when that's we're just, really gonna just, know. That's just the that's just the vibes I'm getting. Off that's of this your canary in the coal mine yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Your little red flag. Yeah, my little my little little uh. Slow, slow your roll. Slow your roll. Horses. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I, do you have any other thoughts about the trade deadline, Candelario trade? Or do you want to move on to these roster moves that were made? Move on to the roster moves. All right, let's move on to these roster moves, guys. <laughs> there were a lot. Uh, Hobie Harris was optioned to the minors, and then the Nats called up Robert Garcia. Uh, who we just claimed off waivers the other day, you know, a lefty reliever who struck out a lot of guys in a triple A. So we'll see kind of give him a shot. You know, he's an old reliever who's on the 40 man. So, I mean, give him a shot, see what he is. Uh, he's throwing like an inning for the net or Miami this year. So hasn't really thrown a lot in the majors. Uh, then Corey Dickerson was released. And then, Luis Garcia was optioned to AAA. Now, those were like the three moves. Obviously, the Robert Garcia move happened a little bit earlier, but they all happened the same time frame, so we're going to talk about all three. Uh, I don't know if there's one you want to start with, Jeremy. I mean, the big move that stands out to me is Luis Garcia being optioned. Yeah. Uh, now... You've been talking about it for about a month that Corey Dickerson was going to get released after the trade deadline if mm -hmm. he didn't get traded. Yeah. That's not that big of a surprise. The other move just is they needed a reliever. Mm -hmm. The big one to me, feel free to expand on any of the other moves that I just kind of glossed over here. Well, I was going to quick say, I mean, we've it's the right move, but it is a little shocking just because I don't know if you remember the years past. I mean, we had Cesar Hernandez and Nelson Cruz taking up at-bats after the trade deadline. So this is a pretty significant move by the Nationals in, like, the way they've run the team. So I think that's a massive step forward. And then, yeah, I don't really have anything but the reliever. Hope he's awesome and shoves. Um, but Luis Garcia, there's always, it's a weird cycle with him. We've seen him up here for three, three years now? Four years? Uh, three years. I think he came up during the COVID season, so... Yeah, he came up in the COVID years, year. Yeah. He is very up and down. He's very streaky. Uh, when he's on, he's on. To his credit, but he's just been off this last month. And, I mean, if sending him down to AAA is what fixes it, that's what fixes it. But it's a bit of a... It's a, it's, it's a move. And uh, we were talking uh, outside the, before the show about who they call up to replace him. That is really what doesn't make sense to me. I mean, the numbers just—and forgive me—I don't have the, the the stats pulled up on this guy or his name. For just, who they called up instead? Yeah. Oh, Jeter Downs. Jeter uh, Downs. Who? Has been abysmal yeah. this season. I mean, he's been abysmal since 2021. And like, I'm all for giving young guys a chance, but 
if you're going to give young guys a chance, give Luis Garcia a chance over this guy. I understand he's been in the majors all season, and I understand I, I understand why they want to make this move to get his bat up, but call someone else up, you know? Give, give someone else some major league at-bats. Yeah, I mean, I think the issue there has a couple, like, folds to it. Uh, just, you know, so that way, you know, the listener who's not really familiar with Jeter Downs, not going to make you go to a different tab to look up Jeter Downs stats. Uh, so, obviously, pandemic year, no minor league baseball was played. Heading into 2021, he was like a top 100 prospect. Since then, he has hit below 200 in every minor league stop. Uh, he hit just above it uh, in a couple of plate appearances in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, the highest batting average or the highest OPS he's put up is, I'm pulling it up, is 728, uh, which came off of. 81 games in AAA. So, not exactly an offensive threat. Uh, he was called up earlier this season and sat on the bench and played like two games. Or one he's, game, he got two one plate appearances. He on this season. He was a pinch hit, and he did not get a hit or get on base. No, he had two. And then he... He two? I only saw the one. He Maybe had two this year. He walked in one, and he struck out in the other. So, you know, I now he just has to one. hit a home run in his first one up, and then he's missed a three true outcomes. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, it's just part of the reason why Downs was called up uh, over, I mean, the names that you immediately, like, go to are, you know, Darren Baker who's, you know, had a solid year in AAA so far. Uh, or, you know, if you want to get a little crazy with me, uh, Trey Lipscomb, uh, which that was something I was really hoping for when I saw that move. I, you know, had like a, oh, wow, this is about to be awesome. Uh, while I was driving to the Fred Nets game uh, yesterday when this broke. And then it, it was just Jeter Downs, and I was like, oh, wow, like, what is happening? Uh why is he getting called up? It's just, you know, he was on the 40-man and these other guys weren't, and I don't think they wanted to transfer anybody to the 60-day, is what I think it was. I don't know. I mean, I understand that there's moves that have to be made. I don't particularly like that one. Yeah. No, I got you. I understand. It's like I get it, and I don't. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He's, I mean, in the second half, obviously he's not been good at all since the All Star break. Uh, I mean, he's hitting 197, 219, 262 since the All Star break. Like that is dreadful. Uh, but. I I don't see any benefit in sending him to the minors. Yeah, it's to send a message, but I don't necessarily think he's done anything too terrible. I mean, his defense and some of the, like, 
the mistakes he's made there are like not great obviously but I mean when you look at his you know you go look at what he does it's just swing decision stuff and I think that's more of an organizational thing than a Luis Garcia thing yeah um he's fine in the field he's not yeah like, I mean he's not gonna win a gold glove but but he's not gonna make those stupid mistakes that someone that you whoever you're sending out there at second now might uh I don't know I'm just I mean they won games after it happened so <laughs> yeah I mean he I mean when you look at like the def advanced defensive metrics he's had a down year when in years past he was graded out as above average at second base. I mean, he's he 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 has a lot of range at second. That's yeah. the thing that sticks out to me at the uh, with his defense, the range that he can cover at second base. I mean, you see it at whenever he plays, you see it at least once a series where he'll go make a, a diving play on a ball that you thought he had no chance on. Um, I don't know. Like I was always very impressed by his range in the field. I mean, sure. Mm -hmm. When once he makes those plays, the ball isn't always thrown accurately. Yeah, but it's a tough play. It is. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, no. I think we both agree. I think. I don't know. Honestly, I'd rather them have DFA'd downs to make room for those guys and then called them up. But that's just me. I just I don't see him in the future of the organization anymore. Yeah, I mean we'll see. Maybe he co maybe he gets a couple plate appearances in the major and he rakes. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> uh, I hope. Uh, but I mean I don't think we mentioned it. Then they called up and selected the contract of Blake Rutherford, uh, who's you know another guy who was drafted at a high school uh, way way back by the Yankees. And then, you know, got traded. COVID kind of, that COVID year kind of messed with his rhythm. And he's finally, you know, raking again in the minors. And, you know, fortunately for the Nats, it was in their minors. And I think it's call him up. I think that's a really cool story. Hope he absolutely rakes. And then, you know, we have just another outfielder we have to worry about. But, yeah, you want to talk yeah, about... Reds? Want to get into the Red series? Let's talk about yeah. the Reds. Do you want to talk about the pitching matchup, or should I? We can talk about this. Last time the Nats played the Reds was a four-game series. Uh, and you know what? It did not go very well. Am I, am I good in that assessment? That Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. A fair assessment. Very well. No. Yeah. So... You know, I mean, today, uh, this, this, excuse me, this series, uh, hopefully, win at least one game. Uh, the Nats are not as, uh, as not as hot as they were heading into that series. If you remember, uh, back when this was the 4th of July series, uh, the Nats were pretty hot going into it. They won a couple games there, and all momentum stopped game series this time instead of four game one we get to see 
Patrick Corbin take on Graham Ashcraft. Game two, we get to see uh, Trevor Williams take on Andrew Abbott. And game three, Jake Irvin is pitching. The Reds have yet to declare a starter for that game. Uh, but Jake Irvin is the starter for the Nats in game three. Do any of those uh, pitching matchups, Hayden, stick out to you in any way, shape, or form? Uh, well, I'll a quick say, I don't know if this changes your opinion on anything. Fangraphs has Levi Stout projected to start game three for the Reds. Okay. So, there's that. He's not been announced. I haven't seen any reports. I looked into it. I haven't seen any reports where it said he was going to start, but usually Fangraphs is pretty good about that, so... I would assume that he's starting. Uh, All right. I'm honestly really excited for this game one. Yeah. Yeah. For I mean, it's less for the pitching matchups, but more of the game. Uh, I think. I mean, something that we didn't necessarily talk about. Uh, when we're just now when we talked about the moves, but I'm really interested to see who's actually playing second base. Because they haven't come out and said, oh, yeah, we have, we're planning on having Jeter Downs play second base. Mm-hmm. For all we know, we have Ildemar Vargas out there. I kind of assumed that who would be, honestly. I know, we did assume. But it would be really funny if he didn't, though. <laughs> <laughs> like, it would just, it, I don't know, it would just be funny. It would be. Uh... But knowing the Nats, they're going to throw Vargas out there. Uh, and he's going to rake. Not give. Vargas is great. He's Vargas been great all year rake. for the Nats. Exactly. He's been the, he's been the most reliable bench bat. I'm not going to say. Definitely on the Nats, I can't. He's been a very reliable bench bat. And <laughs> he can play all the positions. I was going to say in the league, and that was way too much. And then you were going to say the Nats, and then that was still too much. And so you had to oh, say... And then you were just no. like, yeah, he's a very reliable bench bat. No, uh, I stand by on the Nats. Uh, uh, Stone Garrett. The bench bat. He's a fourth outfielder. That's a bench bat? Oh, there's a difference, and you know it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he's a short side of the platoon outfielder, not really a fourth outfielder, but... Because anyway. he plays too much to be a fourth outfielder. You're right. You're right. Doesn't matter. Uh, he's been very good in w- when he gets to play, but uh, maybe we put some some of the guys we called up at second. I mean, we called up Jeter Downs for a reason. Let's put him out there. Yeah. No. It it would just it would be very nationals. I guess not very national. It'd be very funny if uh, that's what they decided. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Reds are first place in the division. We kind of helped out the them just a second ago. Maybe we help out the Brewers, you know, really t- win, take two off the Reds. Then we could say we're the kings of the NL Central, you know? Mm-hmm. That's something mm-hmm. that's Twitter account would post. <laughs> uh, I mean, it'd be funny, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's just the Reds. It's the same old Reds. You know, you have Ellie De La Cruz, TJ Friedel, Matt McLean, uh, Joey Votto's still in there hitting bombs. 
you know, it's the same old guys. They called it Christian Encarnacion Strand, so that's going to be a different face we see. That guy also hits bombs. Uh, and, I mean, yeah, it's just we're seeing, seeing the same old Reds. It's the same Reds we saw last time, really. So, knowing that it's the same Reds, do the Nats have a chance? We were close in one game in that last series. Uh-huh. Do the Nats take a game? So, Jeremy, right? Something you and I talk about all the time on this show, right, is how the Nats just absolutely rake off lefties, right? It's true. They do. And the Reds are rolling out a lefty starter during this series. Uh, unfortunately for them, though, uh, that lefty starter is Andrew Abbott. Uh, and so I don't know if they win that game. I'm going to be honest. I think that game depends on whether or not we get what kind of Patrick Corbin performance we get. Well, that's the game against Trevor Williams that they're doing that. I thought it was Abbott Corbin. I can't even remember what no, I said out loud. Williams, Abbott, Patrick, Graham. Right. Is what I yep, have. That's right. Okay. Yep, you're right. Cool. Uh, I think game one they can win. I think that's the game, or yeah, game one and two, or game one and three are the ones I think they can win. Game two is the one I'm most worried about, which is the funny thing, I guess, because it's so like not the Nats. But no, I mean, like you said, it comes down to if Patrick Corbin throws well. Uh, the same with Jake Irvin. I think if you can get the, those games to the bullpen, I think the Nats have a chance. Otherwise, I don't think they have a chance at all. They can take one. Yeah, but we said that. I It'd think be a real shame to go zero and seven against the Reds this season. I'm the the Reds who were yeah, who you and I before the season started distinctly were like, oh yeah, they're gonna be awful. <laughs> I very much remember we'll, this we'll, conversation. We'll talk about that. It's and fine. then we, t- but then we would always say, man, they have these three starters. If they can just <laughs> get <laughs> they to can them, just hit the ball. If they, well, I'm just saying, <laughs> if the three starters, you know, they could win three out of the games a year, and then two of those starters went on the 60 day IL, <laughs> <laughs> like in the first two months, uh, uh-huh. and yet they're still absolutely winning ball games. It's really, it's really impressive. Uh, really, be so good next year once they get their pitchers back. You see, this is what this is every Nationals fan dream, really. Is this <laughs> is what happens when Dylan Cruz and uh, James Wood come up? <laughs> it's just, you know, easy peasy. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's not going to be an easy series. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination, uh, the Reds have been excellent since uh, everyone came up, and I just hope we can take a game, because I think we can. I think the Nats are a team that's capable of beating the Reds. Yeah, I agree. So, I think they'll take one. I think they're going to take game three. Yeah. I think they can take one. It's it's genuinely is like you said. Like, can the starter not give up six runs? As long as it doesn't <laughs> get to a uh, 
What's it called? I'm blanking on the word. It doesn't come slugfest. Then the Nats are gonna can have a shot. I, if it becomes a slugfest, I don't know if the Nats can put up eight runs. I mean, you've seen them do it before. I Better don't pitching. know if they can put up eight runs. Like if someone you know was like Hayden, or the Nats going to put up eight runs in one of the games this series? I would say probably not. Oh yeah, no. They can only put up eight runs if the other team scores three or less. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, I don't know. Did you have any other thoughts about this series, the trade deadline, the you know promotions, demotions, anything? I think we're all good. Thank you, everybody, so much. Yes, thank tuning you. into this episode of In the Clubhouse with the Nats Report. We have been your hosts, Jeremy Lapidus and Hayden Raymer. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. Remember to check out the Nats Report. Hayden is writing uh, the daily newsletter. The morning the briefing, yep. Morning brief, excuse me. Briefing. There's also a lot of good stuff out there. I know there's a couple new articles since we did our last show. Yeah. I think there's one. At least one. I don't remember. There's been stuff put out there on there, show. I think. Go check it out. There's a lot of really good stuff out there. Uh, yeah, yeah, if you have any thoughts about what we said on the show, you know, tweet at us, you know. I'm always loving to talk about baseball with people. So, you know, come call me an idiot in my mentions. <laughs> so thank you, everybody, so much for tuning in. We'll see you the next time we do this.